Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Watching my fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Yes! Yes! It's me! It's me! Keep clapping! Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Keep clapping. Clap to save money on your car and health insurance. How would we know you wanted to save money on your car and health insurance if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. Thank you for taking a break from your social distancing and self-quarantining to join me here far away from you where neither of us will touch each other ever. We've got a great show for you tonight. This is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float. Check us out now on Twitch. We are now on Twitch. I should actually probably add that to the notes. 
so that we know from now on to check us out on Twitch. We are everywhere. Check us out everywhere. Be sure to like us, follow us, five-star us, subscribe to us, hit the bell. If applicable, if there's a bell on YouTube and others, there is a bell, hit the bell. If you see a bell, hit the bell. It can't hurt to hit the bell. Be sure to hit the bell, hashtag hit the bell. Share this video right now. Or if you're listening to it as a podcast, share that right now. The last thing I want is for you and your closest friends and loved ones to miss out on a roughly one hour long libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. Be sure to give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Dad Bod Calendar, featuring some of the sexist, sexiest uh, libertarian men that you will ever see, including yours truly right there. In fact, we are in the month of Spike, hashtag month of Spike, which is April, April 20th, 420, month of Spike, right there. That, if you want to socially distance from people, this is the way to do it, friends. If you have a few of these hanging around, people will not want to be within six feet of you. That is a promise. You can go to libertarianpartydadbod.com. It's only $12 shipped for me and 12 other sexy libertarian men, each in various states of undress. That can be yours today, libertariandadbod.com. This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing Waffle House related caucus in the Libertarian Party. And also, well, right now it's kind of dormant because, you know, all the Waffle Houses are closed. But when they reopen, we will rise from the grave like like the phoenix on top of the little stick there for for the waffle house caucus logo which is also the libertarian logo and then this episode of course is also brought to you by personal injury attorney chris reynolds attorney at law if you live in the tampa bay area of florida be sure to go to chrisreynoldslaw.com he will meet all of your personal injury attorney related needs that you might have in the in the Tampa Bay area. This episode is also, of course, brought to you by the Vermin Spike 2020 campaign, VerminSupreme2020.com, taking over the Libertarian Party. Chris Reynolds, again, right there. We'll just leave him there for now. Uh, The intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans is brought to you by the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That is J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook. Check him out on SoundCloud. Go to joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. And buy his entire discography. It's like $25. You're absolutely going to love it. I'd like to thank Le Bleu. Le Bleu for this delicious, ultra pure. It's ultra pure water. It's not just pure water. It's ultra pure water. And you can taste it. It's absolutely delicious. Thank you so much, Le Bleu. That is delicious. And this is an old school bottle. This isn't like these flimsy cellophane bottles. You could really smash a sea turtle with this thing. So thank you so much, Le Bleu. Uh, and of course, shout out to Tehran Turks' momentum, as always. Now, folks, usually before we get to our guest, we start with our, our ongoing Libertarian Party platform plank explanation segment brought to you by My Fellow Americans and the Vermin Spike 2020 campaign, where we devote some time in each of our episode to go over at least one plank in the Libertarian Party platform, explain what it means and why we believe these things. Tonight, we're actually going to bring up the next plank with our guest, because he's running specifically on the issue that is on that plank. So let's get to it. My guest tonight is an absolute dynamo. He has served in many positions for the Libertarian Party, including the chair of his county affiliate and as a regional representative for the Libertarian Party of Washington State. He's uh, now one of the party's best hopes 
to win a statewide election for the first time in Libertarian Party history, and he is running a pitch-perfect campaign to do so. Uh, My fellow Americans, please welcome to the show the amazing Mr. Anthony Welty, who is right here. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show. Dude, you have some awesome intro music. Thanks for having me. Thank you, and uh, you got to watch me panic during the uh, during the intro. That's that's the most entertaining part for most of my guests is watching me have like a panic attack slash existential crisis every time I'm doing a, a live intro. I've t- I've given myself two minutes to basically produce a show. So, but thank you again for coming on. Well, and I just know that the mic is always on, so uh, you know, be careful what you say pre stage and backstage. That's true. The mic is always well. If nothing else, I hear you. So yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I am super excited to have you on. This is actually our first time getting to talk to one another on a one-on-one. So I would like to apologize in advance. Um, uh, so uh, folks, be sure to comment with your questions and thoughts, and Anthony and I will tell you if you are right or wrong. Now, Anthony, this is your first time on the show. Uh, whenever I have someone on the show for the first time. Uh, who is a libertarian, uh, I asked them to uh, explain, uh, to tell a little story about how you came to be a libertarian. Was it kind of an aha moment or a gradual evolution uh, over time? Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a couple of things. And I realized I was, you know, I answered that question wrong a while back because I forgot something else that kind of started me along the process even farther ago. Um, I started into libertarianism hating parking tickets actually that's kind of the first thing that woke me up to to govern government status for for being parked outside my own property uh or my own excuse me my own uh uh, apartment and i had Mm -hmm. expired tabs on a vehicle that was you know just parked safely outside of a a building and i got ticketed having expired tabs on a vehicle i wasn't even driving at the time um which then of course uh made it more difficult for me to uh, fix the vehicle, right. uh, which was necessary to get it to pass state emissions. Correct. So I couldn't really drive it. Um, so it's kind of funny, you know, thinking back, I was like, dang, that, that was the first thing that kind of started waking me up to the idea of government force and just silly government solutions, right? Or, or non-solutions. Right. Um, and then ultimately, uh, the, the Obamacare health d- catastrophe uh, is what kind of, for, you know, woke me up uh, as more of a, an older, you know, <laughs> older gentleman very good so that's that's what got you in there would you say that there was a, a single person or personality that that got you into the libertarian party or you just kind of kind of found yourself there being victimized by the state along the way yeah i mean what wikipedia is is kind of who can thank you know who who all the, the libertarians can thank for bringing me into the party oh wow uh, wasn't following any libertarianism or anything i just i got pissed off at, at government i i you know, I, I had voted for Obama in 08 okay. and uh, I lived in Seattle and that's what you did was you voted for Obama, you know. Um, and then, you know, within two years, I started realizing that, why well, he's not doing what he promised he was going to do. You know, he's not, he's not protecting whistleblowers. He's, you know, he's not making insurance more affordable. He's making it uh, more expensive. And, right. and uh, I just got fed up with it. And I was like, I'm tired of these broken promises and the rhetoric. And I just kind of had eyes wide open at that point. And I, I literally Googled, uh, uh, Googled political parties and ended up on Wikipedia, just reading for a couple of days. And, uh, and then that's when I found the uh, Libertarian Party. And I was like, you know what, that that sounds kind of like where I'm at. I, but at that point, I wasn't political, you know, minded. It just you right. know, resonated with me. 
So the 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 well worn Wikipedia to libertarianism pipeline. I I have to admit that's the first time. It's not to say it's the only time it's ever happened, but I have to say that's probably the first time that I've heard of someone who got yellow pilled on Wikipedia. <laughs> that's funny. Have you heard anyone else that, that that's been the case? No, which is crazy because you know you, you Google libertarian, Wikipedia pops up pretty high on the list. You, right, right, know. right. So. That's funny. That is hilarious. I've never heard of such a thing. But you know what? It's if you're looking at just you know facts on facts, then I guess we could say that libertarianism is where people would be drawn to. But I've I've never that would be like in the day someone going you know I found about libertarianism from the dictionary and now I'm a I'm a, I'm a well worn libertarian. <laughs> no, it's funny. I love it. I love any pipeline that brings you here. I love it. So that brings us to your campaign for Washington State insurance commissioner now folks i don't have to tell you that the washington state insurance commissioner is an incredibly exciting position dare i say sexy position that anthony is running for when i heard he was running for insurance commissioner it inspired me to google what an insurance commissioner is i actually ended up on the washington state office of the insurance commissioner website and i smashed that old what we do button and I came away with more questions and answers. So thankfully, Anthony, you're here. What exactly does the insurance commissioner do? Yeah, they're, they're tasked with consumer protection, which in government terms means red tape, a pile, red tape, a pile, red tape. Right. Um, you know, the, the true purpose of the office is, is to make sure that insurance companies are, are following the letter of the law and then also that consumers are as well. So in some cases, that means punishing uh, insurance carriers for doing things that the the crown decides is uh you know illegal for whatever reason um if, if, it, if it pleases if it pleases the crown yeah and and then on the flip side of it they'll they'll also you know punish people for uh filing fraudulent insurance claims which you know libertarians we we're, we stand against all fraud right, right so there's right. legitimate uh uh concerns there that the insurance mm-hmm. commissioner could be addressing um, but all in all, they what they're doing is they're approving rates, approving policy types, and and, and often denying um, those new policies that maybe somebody might want to buy, whether it's car insurance or health insurance or home insurance. That uh, is the next, you know, the next greatest thing since you know Spike Cohen and, and the dad bod calendar. Um, but the insurance commissioner <laughs> will be like, nope, you you can't have that because I don't like it for whatever reason. Oh wow! Um, and it's so it's. It's really become more of a partisan position um, because one held it for 20 years and has been able to fill all the positions with, you know, like-minded individuals that only think the way he does um, and and has some attorneys on staff that think that same way. So things have gotten more expensive, more beer, you know, uh, bureaucracy over our lives. and, And nobody even knows what the job even is to this day, except for the people that run into me on the campaign trail that I can actually help them teach them. Right. Yeah, so I, I did some some research here. The incumbent is a man named Mike uh, Creedler. Uh, he has been, as you said, insurance commissioner since 2001. I did a little bit more research, and turns out that insurance prices in Washington have not gone down during that time. Does that surprise you? No, no. And it's because for, for every regulation that this federal government does, the state doubles down on it and makes it a state mm. regulation as well over the oh, last wow. 20 years. So, so even if we had a a vermin supreme uh, judge Jim Gray, you know, uh, right. 
any of these libertarian candidates in office, you know, even if we had our utopia at the libertarian, you know, White House, um, I still have get the pleasure of dealing with some of these bad ideas at the state level. Um, so things have gotten more expensive. We have more uh, less choices. Um, and again, nobody's happy. Nobody's happy with insurance. Um, and there's been one guy in power for 20 years that gets to take all the credit for that. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. This is what I tell people who who want to run half measure, scared pool libertarian campaigns that they're worried that our ideas are scary and that you know they're scare people away with our ideas. Which I guess my first question is, how much do you support our ideas if you think they're scary and are going to scare people away? All that aside, we are dealing with Republicans and Democrats who completely own the situations that we're in. And why on earth would we not be happy to come forward and say, you know, these this is what we believe and why we need to take down these these structures and, and remove these taxes and regulations and force them to defend how their system has made things more expensive. So it, it's always been amazing to me, but it is very serendipitous. It's quite serendipitous thing that you are my guest this week, because as part of our ongoing My Fellow Americans Libertarian Party platform explanation segment, the platform plank that we just so happen to be discussing uh, just so happens to be 2.13 healthcare. I actually skipped ahead a few planks so we could talk about this one now. Anyway, here it is, uh, 2.13. We, we can skip back next week. It's, yeah, exactly. We'll go back to 1.9 or whatever it is. Uh, but totally serendipitous that we are on. Uh, we landed on this one because I chose it. Uh, 2.13 healthcare says, uh, we favor a free market healthcare system. We recognize the freedom of individuals to determine the level of health insurance they want, if any the level of health care that they want, the care providers they want, the medicines and treatments they will use, and all other aspects of their medical care, including end-of-life decisions. People should be free to purchase health insurance across state lines. Anthony, we have talked on this show about how every part of the platform derives from the concept of self-ownership, that we own ourselves, we own our lives, each of us individually, you own yourself, you own your life, you own your body, you own your labor, and you own your property, the, the product of your labor, and that no one should be able to take these things from you. Keeping that in mind, and, and with the, the, this platform in mind, what does that mean to you, the idea of healthcare freedom, and, and, and how are you applying that to to your run for, for the insurance commissioner? Yeah, I mean, let's look at the word healthcare for a second and then government and, and bring those things together. And I, I don't believe the government should have a, the any say or power over what somebody's medical choices are. Right. Um, who, you know, the, the government shouldn't get to decide who lives and dies, who gets to try a, try a new medicine that they think is going to work for their family. You know, even the, um, you know, little things like where you buy your insurance from, you know, the government shouldn't be uh, interjecting their, their personal opinions into the, the choices you make for your life. And, you know, one of the, the funnest things about this campaign for me has been uh, up to this point is every, you know, each kind of each rally type speech I go to, you know, uh, which is a lot here in Washington. I, I like to talk about the, the SOP in my speeches and the, the, the preamble, you know, so when I'm doing outreach to, to non-libertarians, I make a, a, a concerted effort to find a way to put that into a relevant speech for, for whatever that rally might be so that people know right off the bat what the basis, what the root is for why I believe what I do, right? The health, you know, health freedom means something, you know, can mean something different to everybody. 
right? But if, right. It, if it comes down to the root of consent and you own your life and you get to make choices for yourself, then everything else can start falling into play there. Um, so we have to really focus on the root of what we believe when we're talking about these ideas. Otherwise, they just become kind of arbitrary in a lot of ways. Right. Now, you obviously are in a more progressive leaning state in Washington. Like you said, I live in Seattle. So, you know, you have to vote for Obama because you're, you're in Seattle. So deal, I would assume that going across and I know that there's a big difference between Seattle and the more inland parts of Washington state. But Seattle is also a, a major part of the population. And, and overall speaking, I would imagine that the state is it tends to be more progressive leaning. With that in mind, I, I assume you're dealing with a lot of people who you know, believe that healthcare is a right and, you know, believe in things like Medicare for all and things like that, which ultimately all boil down to a desire for the ability to get healthcare without it destroying their lives financially. How do you message a libertarian message to people who up until now believe that the best solution for their, the problems with our healthcare system is for government to be even more involved? Yeah. You know, it varies by conversation. You, you, you have We have to realize that, first off, we can't collectivize all of Seattle, right? Not all of Seattle course, seems yeah. the same way. Right. Um, and that's important when, when, we're, when we're trying to sell libertarianism, right? Yeah. It, it, we can't assume what somebody thinks or believes. And, and to acknowledge even – to even acknowledge on one individual conversation what somebody's concerns are versus blanket – you know, I don't support Medicare for all is right. going to be a healthier conversation. So a lot of what I try to do is, well, why do you think you, why do you think you like Medicare for all, you know, or what, what is it that uh, Medicare for all is offering that you don't already have. Right. right? So I have questions um, to, to try to really find out what their root issue is, because what I find is a lot of people that gravitate towards Medicare for all are gravitating towards it because nobody else has, has provided something else viable to them. They're not happy with the status quo. And when it comes to healthcare reform, the, the Republicans haven't offered anything substantial to the Democrats for them to come away with and go like, oh, well, that makes sense. That's a good idea. Right. right? The, they haven't done anything for healthcare reform in, in decades now. Yeah. You know, it's only gotten worse and more expensive and everybody knows it. So what I find successful is, is building bridges with folks on what their concerns are. And show them that I genuinely, genuinely care because I'm not a, a person that wants to rule over their life and, and tell them that they can or can't have something. Right. You know, I want to find out what those pain points are and then say, you know, what, what are the solutions to that specific pain point? You know, if, if we get cast into a, you know, do you support Medicare for all or not situation? I say, if you want Medicare for all, then I want you to have the ability to have that so long as you don't force your neighbor or your brother or your sister to have it. So I right. think we can creative ways to, have graduated opt-in systems and opt-out systems that allow people to voluntarily enter that system um, and associate it when they want. And if 50 million Democrats want to do that, as long as the, the they don't force the 50 million Republicans that don't want it, then right. I think that we'll be able to peacefully coexist with separate ideas. Um, those conversation points come up at different times and in different situations. And the key that I found is just trying to build genuine connection and libertarians have an ability to do that. The Democrats and libertarians don't, or excuse me, Democrats and Republicans don't because they're just busy hating each other. Right, right. right. And if we come here as more of the peacemaker, which is, I think, what we truly are, 
Right. Um, it's, it's a more positive conversation at the very least, and it leads to more healthy conversation and dialogue. So hearing you say empathy, making connections, identifying pain points, and messaging based on that makes me an incredibly happy Jew. And the reason for that is because we have a major problem and I, and I think politics in general has a major problem but we can't afford to have that major problem because we're not an established party the libertarians we're talking specifically about libertarians um have an issue with marketing where we are tend to be focused on our ideology put one of two things either pushing our ideology as just this is what we believe and the people who don't believe it are wrong or we go the other way and we say, well, you know, we're willing to compromise on this and this and this and this, as opposed to saying, what do you want? What is it? What is, you know, your concern? Oh, these are the things that, that you, you know, are having issues with. Oh, okay, here's why where we agree on what the problem is. And here's our solutions for how to fix that, as opposed to just kind of throwing the book at them and then, you know, telling them to read Rothbard and, and then blocking them when they don't. You know, it, it's, 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 a, it's an important or saying, oh, well, you know, libertarians are, you know, we're kind of the best of both parties. And like, but actually instead presenting a viable option after demonstrating that we give a damn about what they even want in the first place. So I'm very happy to hear you say that. Now, this is actually, uh, from what I have read and heard, uh, you know, you mentioned that Republicans haven't offered much. In Washington State, they haven't even offered a candidate for this position. So this is actually a very winnable election for you. It's a two-man race with no Republican running, just you and and the Democrat incumbent. That's correct, right? Yeah, yeah. If we got another thirty days till filing, essentially at this point, but uh, for all intents and purposes, it's just a two-way race right now with a forty-year career politician that nobody knows who he is or what he does. Uh, a lot of them don't know what the position is, and even more don't know what libertarianism is. So we really have a a, a clean whiteboard here to, yeah. uh, you know, have a fun campaign and to do do what we think is healthiest and, and gives us the the best chance to to impact the community positively and. You know, we, we have a real chance to win right now. Um, I've fundraised um, more than the last uh, 12 years worth of challengers combined at this point. But we haven't had a serious challenger in, in three cycles now. I've out fundraised all of them combined. Um, and the incumbent's not really actively fundraising at this point in time, which I'll give him some props. He's, uh, you know, should be busy working, not fundraising. So I'll, I'll give him, I'll throw the bone there. Um, but, you know, I, I'm nearing 50,000 fundraising right now, and he's raised about 15,000. So, you know, we've got a chance to, to really win and put the pressure on and, and most importantly, you know, help people. Yeah. Yeah. And if nothing else, uh, affect the conversation. If you can make a big enough dent in the electoral gain, you know, it, it, obviously the goal is to win. Short of winning, if you don't win, and I think you have, a, I mean, it sounds like you have a great shot to win. At the very least, you affect the conversation so that you who is someone who hasn't been in there for 20 years and, and could run for this again, have already started a conversation with people who realize that it isn't just Medicare for all or the status quo. Like you said, Republicans with health care, their policy on health care tends to be, no, whatever thing's being talked about, they're just like, no, we can't do that. And and I, I tend to agree with them on that, but they don't identify the pro- the fact that the status quo is a problem and that 
there needs to be a change. And so by simply just kind of pretending there's nothing wrong with the status quo or that, you know, just saying that the change would be worse, they're basically just waiting for the Democrats or, or, or even some of the more progressive Republicans to just push whatever the next infringement on the, the, the market is. So this is really a great well, opportunity for you to, to do the opposite. Well, and, and um, I'll have to, you know, sh- share some kind of bad news for people. And, and hopefully most of our listeners here today kind of already expect this. But, you know, the, the Republicans are going to come out with a health care plan at some yeah. point here in the couple of years. You know, Trump Trump will come out with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard parts of it as I'm, you know, running for office and I'm talking to different congressional candidates. And uh, it's socialism. You know, oh, here yeah. on it's socialism. You know, they're just going to put a different logo on it and uh, – you know, rally the troops behind it and it'll cost, you know, maybe just slightly less than what the Democrats option is. So it's key here that we provide solutions now. And and something that I actually really resonated with me with, with, um, you know, another candidate, uh, Larry Sharp, that had ran a couple years ago for governor of of New York. um, He had said, I hope people steal my ideas. I heard him interview one day and it, it just, that was like the, First, one of the first times that I kind of broke out of the it's us against them mentality, um, right. political parties. And it's like, no, I don't care if they steal my ideas as long as they implement them. Right. Um, you know, so it, I hope the Democrats or Republicans take a couple of these things that we're talking about, you know, things like, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I talk about abolishing taxes on health insurance. Right. I, I hope they do that in, yeah. in my stead. have to because then I can go spend more time with my family. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ideally, if they, you know, progressives figured this out a long time ago, it doesn't matter who wins. It doesn't matter which party wins, which candidate wins. What matters is what policies happen. And the best way you can do that is affecting the conversation on a cultural societal level. So you can make it so that, okay, great. The conservative Republicans won. We still got our, 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 our policies enacted because they were scared to go back to their constituents who are overwhelmingly in favor of the things we want. And that's how you end up with Republicans pushing gun control and, you know, uh, uh, health care, uh, um, you know, health care plans and and, you know, all uh, tax increases and, and everything else. That's how you have Democrats pushing for endless war when they come into office and endless debt spending and all of those things. All of that feeds into the fact that the progressives get what they want because they have convinced the public that that's what needs to happen. And so libertarians, if nothing else, be, long before we're able to, and I'm not a huge fan of the phrase, but whatever, take over the world so that we can leave everyone alone. <laughs> if long before we actually get to that, you know, to that, you know, day zero, uh, we can be affecting the conversation and pushing people towards, you know, ideas that are more towards opening up the, the markets and freeing the people. Yeah, you know, and I've got an example of that right here th- this week in Washington. Um, my my campaign, I, I'm I'm proud to say, has been able to pull together three Republicans, um, one that's pretty hard, you know, pretty good patriot type Republican, and then a couple more moderate Republicans, um, uh, and then a couple very progressive Democrats, and then another Libertarian. So a couple people from different ideologies. Right. Um, we, we petitioned the governor this week to remove ballot access signature requirements and, and fees to get on the ballot this year. Um, I, I don't expect the governor to even respond to my request because I mean nothing to him. Right. Um, he's made that clear. But we got it out in the media. We got it out in the public. And people are talking about ballot access all of a sudden. 
And we, we took an opportunity here where optics wise, it's not safe for us to be out collecting signatures right now. And the governor supports, um, you know, equity at the ballot. And, you know, everybody has, should have a chance to equally run for office. Um, but if they're not able to get signatures, then everybody has to pay these high fees to get on the ballot, which means it's harder for poor people to run for office. Right. So perfect opportunity here when it's not safe to uh, signature gather to remove the fee and make sure that everybody has an equal opportunity to get on the ballot. Right. Um, so we're, we're talking about things right now throughout the campaign um, that win, lose, or draw are going to move the needle the right direction. We're, we're, you know, talking about certificate of need laws that people don't know exist, talking about insurance commissioner that they don't know exists, right? That, that all, I think, is a positive direction forward. Very good. Very good. No, I agree. Um, going through the uh, going through the comments here, let me see if I can find some questions uh matt hicks says i love you i'm telling all my family in washington to vote for you um oh alex lug love asks uh how can we eliminate insurance rate increases for parking and traffic tickets and is that is that a that's more of a is that a is that something that's covered under the insurance commission or not so much well, yeah, I mean, theoretically. So the way this position works is most everything actually has to go through the state legislature. There, right. There's only certain things and rules that the insurance commissioner would have. Um, but I'd have the ability to go lobby the legislature, right? And, right? and that's really the soapbox that I'm looking for here to get things accomplished. Right. Um, but I, I don't quite understand his question. It sounds like he's asking about you know, rate increases on policies. And I think that the number one thing we should do here to immediately abolish, uh, immediately reduce the cost of car insurance and every other type of insurance in Washington is to abolish the over $600 million we, we get charged each year to on our insurance premiums. If the state removed that $600 million, we, we would immediately see price reductions across the board, right? Maybe not that full 600 million. Let's be honest, the corporations are going to take some. That's not... Let's not be ignorant there. Oh, of course, of uh, course. But they're going to reduce prices because they want to remain competitive. And the ones that don't will have to fight with the ones that do. So there, there's things that we could do that don't require forcing, um, you know, anybody's hand one direction or the other that would ultimately still reduce the cost of coverage right away. Right. Um, you know, there's things we could do right, right there. Right, right. Okay. Um, so we have uh, Kim Ruff and Chase Oliver who both said – that we are two of their favorite candidates, so that's good. Um, uh, Kenneth Blevins says, every time I mention trying to lower the cost of health care without government intervention, many of the Sanders supporters act like I want to eliminate health care and don't listen enough to the viable options. How has how has how have you been able to, to message that? And we kind of talked about that earlier, but specifically, the I guess, the, the charge that libertarians just don't care. How do you, you know, message that? How do you deal with that? Um. Well, like we said earlier, right, it, it oftentimes depends on how you're entering the conversation. F Facebook is rarely the way to do it. You know, chances are you're not going to change somebody's mind blatantly on Facebook. That's almost right, never right. Because they, they have no reason to like you. So right. the key for me for this campaign is I've been building trust with people. Now, granted, I need 1.8 million votes. I'm not going to get 1.8 million people to vote for me because they know me and trust me. Right. But what I have done over the last couple of years is I've been in the community. I've shown people. Um, that, that I care, that I'm in this for the right reasons. Um, and so they, they start to trust and care and listen more. 
Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're always going to start coming on board. But what I can do is find areas of agreement with things like, well, we should, you know, Medicare for all. Okay, well, what about buying uh, medicines from overseas, right? Should we be able to import our medication from from places that is cheaper? And even the Bernie cats, it, you know, are like, yeah, we should be able to do that. And I was like, awesome. What about if we also let you buy your insurance from anywhere in the world? You know, could, would that help in the meantime? You know, while we're arguing about Medicare for all, Medicare maybe for we all could do this also, right? So a, a lot of times it's just trying to provide them ideas that they can latch onto and realize that in any one debate, in any one conversation, you're not going to win over the whole room. But it's planting those seeds and, and, and hopefully giving them, letting their, you know, their glass shatter a little bit on some of yeah. the, their, you know, statism. Um, while giving them that compassionate, you know, actual solution that hopefully builds over time, right? That there's, and again, it's different in every single conversation. Of course, of course. But you were presenting, so perfect example there. You say, how about if in the meantime, while we're working on Medicare for all versus no Medicare for all, you're allowed to buy health care, health insurance anywhere you want on, on the any state, any country, wherever you want. You are presenting a strictly libertarian solution as a compromise, which is, this is the the genius way of presenting libertarianism, as opposed to presenting it as this extreme thing that, you know, absolutely is going to potentially cause all sorts of terrible ripple effects, and so we probably shouldn't even talk about it. You're actually presenting it as the compromise, so that it actually sounds like the reasonable compromise that it it is. I wouldn't call it a compromise, but you're actually presenting it as one. And and they can say, yeah, that sounds reasonable. And then you can say the next thing. Well, how about no taxes on health care, on health, on health insurance or health care or car insurance or anything else? And they go, yeah, I guess that sounds good, too. These are all stri- like in libertopia, in a libertarian utopia. These are the things we'd be pushing for. And yet you're pushing it as a compromise. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's absolutely terrific. Now, uh, you also, this is not just health insurance. Uh, this is also, you're also in charge of overseeing car insurance. Can I save 15% or more on my car insurance by voting for you? <laughs> you know, every, you know, a lot of people are saving 15% right now because the, uh, insurance carriers are actually, uh, willfully reducing premiums for a little while. Right. Cause we're uh, not going you know, anywhere. Right. Yeah. So, you know, this is a time where they took, you know, they used the free market to get some good press and, uh, you know, they're, they're leaning into it a little bit, which is wise, you know, something, you know, sometimes insurance companies get a bad rap. Okay. I'm not anti-insurance. Um, I have a background in insurance and I've seen it change people's lives. You know, I I used to sell, uh, property and casualty insurance, things like home and auto insurance, uh, small business insurance. I worked with life insurance a lot. Um, and I've taken phone calls from, from people at 2 a.m. in the morning as their house is literally burning to the ground. And then, you know, a year later, they have a new house, right? And, right. and people forget sometimes that they might only pay five, 600 bucks a month or five, 600 bucks a year for, for home insurance. And that one time you file a total loss claim, you come out ahead for the rest of your life. And then all your friends do as well, right? right. So I want people to realize that at times that insurance can you know, like anything in the market can provide a, a good service to people. And what we have to do is, is empower them to, to make the, the healthiest choice possible for the, for the market, for the consumer. And right now it's easier for them to just pay off lobbyists and pay off politicians. So they just get a bigger market share than it is to try to actually come out with good ideas that would naturally get them more market share 
um, because the government won't let them come out with these good ideas with any amount right. of ease. Right. So in, in fact, two things that you brought up were a la carte and catastrophic plans for insurance. And that's that's both for car and so you do home insurance, too. You would be in charge of home insurance as well. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, so everything you'd see driving down the street counts as property and casualties. So that's your RV insurance. That's your boat insurance. That's your chiropractor's office. It's your plumber's business, right? Everything in between, plus your state public insurance stuff goes through there, um, plus your health insurance, your title insurance. It's a massive, uh, massive role in this. You know, it's a state executive role. It's one of the yeah. second or third position down behind the governor. Um so we have our hands in a lot of areas. And my, my thing is, how can I facilitate the easiest, less bureaucratic office as possible? There, there's right. no way for me to go in there and abolish this position. But what I can do is I can take the lawyers that I have the ability to hire and start going through the RCWs and figuring out which ones that we think we can easily fight in court and get abolished as unconstitutional. Number one, um, our state constitution, Article 1, Section 1 says consent of the government. You know, for, for me, um, most of these regulations, if not all of them, uh, erode that consent. So I want to get some constitutional attorneys in, in this office and, and fight this legally. I want to use the state to fight the state here because I'll have that ability as the insurance nice. commissioner. Like it. Um, and, and that's how we can make change without having to rely on the state legislature, um, which is full of, of people that you know may or may not agree with all my ideas. So right. we can work ends of that to just try to make it as easy as possible to, to new ideas to get approved. Um, and then there's other things where the state insurance commissioner is essentially making his determination of, okay, this company is doing something I don't like that, that I believe is against the law. He says, cease and desist, or I fine you $250,000. Right. Okay? You don't cease and desist and you fight me in court every day you do something um, is going to be additional $25,000 if you ultimately lose the court case. So they're forced out of business instantly before they're guilty of doing anything illegal. Right. And that's things like um, gun memberships here in Washington. If you're a legal firearm owner and, uh, you know, you've got your concealed carry permit, you're right, you're checking all the boxes, you safely store, right? You don't got your bump stocks, your silencers, all these big, scary black guns. Uh, right. But you want to buy a membership to help legal defense in case uh, in case you have to discharge your firearm in a self-defense situation. Insurance commissioners ban those policies in the state of Washington. Um, oh, wow. And it's easier for those companies just to take it and say, all right, I guess we won't sell because we're in a court system here that doesn't support you know, a, a company's right to sell a product. They don't support a consumer's right to buy a product. So it's easier for them just to leave. I could come in day one and be like, no, I'm not doing that. You can start selling this policy again. So then okay. there are a lot there. It's, go ahead. No, go, please. No, I was going to say, so there are some cases like that where these are basically executive orders from the, from the insurance commissioner that you can overturn on day one. You're not even going to the legislature. So in addition to using the bully pulpit with the legislature and looking through uh, uh, legislative things that you're required to do to see how many of them can be ruled unconstitutional or at least fought as unconstitutional, there are things you can do right off the bat and just say, no, I'm not doing these things anymore. They were previous decisions made by the previous insurance commissioners, and I'm not doing them anymore. Yep. So, and, and that's what I want to do. I want to go with the, go through everything with the attorneys line by line 
and create a you know a, a pecking order of what we think we could accomplish right and and if, if we can do that um i think we can make things better instantly right you know p- people that want to buy you know gun membership insurance should have the ability to do that um it, it, sh- it frankly it's not even an insurance policy there's no liability payouts on it, it it's a private membership to legal defense it, it, it doesn't even have anything to do with insurance right um, and he made it about insurance and he shouldn't have done that uh, another example is um you might have held a heard of like health co-op insurance or ministry insurance right um, right um, there's no traditional corporate insurance company. It's all membership driven. He's driving those out of the state of Washington too. Um, a lot of those are faith-based. So, you know, in, in a state run by liberals that maybe aren't as receptive to, to people of faith in certain, in certain instances, right? Uh, people of faith are being marginalized and they're not having access to their insurance policies that cover what they want and the way they want it. Um, and that's simply because he's making rulings based upon interpretations of the law um, that I could simply interpret differently um, right. because I believe the consent of the governed. And I believe that you have the right to buy whatever insurance you want the second you want it from the company that you want to. Very, and very good. The the, the principal pos- uh, responsibility of this um, position, according to the law, is consumer protection. I believe protecting consumers' rights to buy what they want falls under the purview of that. And he's simply not enforcing um, that right right now, and that's wrong. Well, and that's great that you're that you're exposing that. So you are in your run, as I've noticed, you have gotten a lot of endorsements from both libertarians and Republicans, um, possibly from Democrats too. But I know from libertarians and Republicans, you have been uh, back. Well, back when we were allowed to leave our homes and and have more than five of us together in a group, you were filling up uh, uh, conventions, uh, rooms, and and uh, rallies and everything else, uh, and and kind of building a real base that. Frankly, we don't often see with libertarian candidates. Um, this, I would assume, some of it has been the fact that you've been able to outreach to, you know, uh, right of center voters who don't have a, a Republican to to get behind. With that in mind, um, because even though Washington is a is a I guess more blue state, it's not there. Like you said, we're all individuals. There are quite a few right of center. Uh, you know, voters and people that maybe would vote Republican. Um, with that in mind, how has your outreach been to them? And do you think that that has been a successful, almost as successful? Do you think you'll be almost as successful as, or, or maybe even more successful than Wikipedia in bringing people to libertarianism? Yeah, I, I think people are latching on to the ideas, right? And they they may not be latching on to libertarianism at its core, or or, right. or maybe even on the train yet. But they're latching on to certain ideas, which makes that journey into libertarian, you know, possible. Um, you know, m- my campaign, I've been running for two and a half years. I actually, I have, I think, 10 or 12 endorsements. Not a single one of them is from a partisan position, actually. Um, every single one of them are from nonpartisan positions, such as city council races. Um, so when I go into November and people start looking at my endorsement, there is no party logos next to the people that are supporting me. Um, that's by purpose because I don't feel like this position uh, should be partisan to begin with. What does partisanship have to do with insurance reform, right? It shouldn't be left, right, middle. It shouldn't be vote gold. It shouldn't be vote uh, vote red, vote blue. It should be about voting for the ideas. The ideas, uh, right. So, but 
I, I've done outreach on simple ideas with like city council members on uh, decentralizing the state government, right? So one of the things that pissed me off the most when I first got involved into activism was the idea that if I wanted to go have my voice heard at the state capitol, I had to burn a day of vacation. Right. And that just didn't sit well with me. I was like, so you're telling me I have to live this way. If I want to tell you it makes me mad, I have to take a day away from my family or the beach or whatever right. to come have my bird. And for people that live more than, you know, 20 minutes away from the Capitol, which is pretty much everywhere here, um, you know, two hours by traffic to even just the, the nearest big town, you know, four or six hours, if you're on the other side of the state, you know, de decentralized government is something that's really important to me. And, and the reason why it's important to me is because it, it brings it closer to the individual. That doesn't mean decentralized government is the libertarian utopia here. But it right. gets us closer to that direction. If if you know who your representative is and you are able to meet with them more frequently um, and you're able to have a dust to go pound on. Right. And, and you know the guy you've had a drink with the guy, maybe um, or gal um, that that makes government more accessible. It makes it more responsive, I hope, um, to, to at least a certain degree. And I think it encourages engagement. And what we have right now is we have 60% of the country that doesn't usually vote, sometimes more in off-year elections, because of the apathy, because they're not engaged. So I think decentralizing government wakes people up, it makes them less apathetic, it makes them start caring a little bit more. And it, it, if they don't care, they're, they're not going to want libertarianism, flat out, because it's easier just to, to – libertarianism isn't easy, right? There's all about personal responsibility mm -hmm. and you know self-accountability. Self um so we have to start bringing government back to the people in that, you know, power to the people sense um, because they ultimately are in control of their lives. And if, if the governors or the government isn't responsive to them, they, they can't, they can't fix it. We can't fix it. So right. what I city council is what if, and take, you know, we've got a position in Olympia here with 240 employees, $27 million in salary under my, under my purview. What if, you know, 10 of those positions ended up, you know, six hours east of where the capital is, right? Could could having people in a different part of the region um, to where somebody that hasn't complained about insurance, you know, or complain about their government actually has somebody to go talk to, right? right? So being able to talk about decentralizing the government and working with the city council members, be like, yeah, you know, I like that. I don't know what most of the city councils don't know what the insurance commissioner is. I go to political meetings with Democrats and Republicans, people that are in the know, right, that are do, doing this for a living. Most of them don't, don't know what the insurance commissioner is. Yeah. So if you start putting insurance commissioner's offices around the state um, while reducing the number of employees, granted, okay, this is a huge, huge part for me, right? We're going to reduce that salary as quickly as possible. And we're going to reduce as much of it as we can. Um, I, you know, it, it, that makes government better. And being able to bring those ideas to other politicians and say, like, yeah, I like that. I'll work with you. Right. That legitimizes the Libertarian Party. That makes brings us into a, a credibility standard. And as much as I can appreciate thumbing our nose at, at, at the lack of credibility and the, the, the clown show that is the, the two party system right now, um, we also need the other side of that as well. And we have to be able to work with these people and build you know actual relationships and show them that you're you're able to put in the work that's necessary to do this. And, um, you know, what's happened is I'm able to, to work with Democrats and Republicans 
most of the people I'm working with are neither. They might lean a little bit one way. I think we, you know, most people tend to, um, right. but they're dependent and they just want to learn more. They want to be more involved. They're frustrated. And I'm trying to empower them, you know, to encourage them to show up. Right. I, I worked for the Gary Johnson campaign as a volunteer because I didn't want to be the guy that whined and complained about what was going on and right. didn't do something about it. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do with a lot of people is like, Hey, even if you disagree, have you been to your local city council meeting before? Have you been to a county council meeting before? Um, are you registered to vote? Can I help you register today? Right. Um, so we're able to go to, you know, street fairs and parades and, and just, you know, walking down the street and gas stations and really educate people and just give them reasons to care again. And I think that moves the needle the right direction. Yeah. So you're decentralizing, you are making what you're decentralizing small. So you're, you're reducing the net number of employees and decentralizing their location. You're helping people even understand what it is you're doing. Like, like I said, I tried doing research about what the Washington state insurance commissioner did and, you know, articles that people had written and it was sparse. No one really knows what this is even if you go to the website it's not clear and i'm thinking i don't know if the person who made this website knows what the washington insurance commissioner does and it and it's one of those things and yet it's a huge role if you think of all the things that there's insurance on and and the 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 scope of what that is it's it's huge so i think that that's absolutely terrific now anthony before i let you go first of all you've been a fantastic guest i would love to have you on again hopefully in the future um I uh, have been on the fence. I uh, have really strongly considered endorsing you uh, publicly, uh, but I still, I'm just, I'm on the fence slightly. I can only, and so I've, I've kind of, I'm going to give you this chance. I can only endorse you uh, for your run as Washington State Insurance Commissioner if you agree to have me on your show, Be Free with Anthony Welty, uh, on Monday the 27th at 10 p.m. Eastern. You know, I'll check with my secretary, but I'm I'm almost positive we can make that happen. Okay, if we can make that if we can make that exact time and date happen, uh, yeah. which I've I've been told that has already happened, uh, then well, I am, that's great news. That's great news. <laughs> yeah, so I am I will I am officially endorsing you uh, for whatever that's worth as uh, as the Washington State to uh, your run for Washington State Insurance Commissioner. I think that you've got a great idea. I like the idea of presenting actual strict libertarianism as a compromise and then setting the to, to go to work in a serious way and, and doing that. So um, again, thank you so much for coming on. Before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to plug what you want to plug. Uh, I have your website, anthonywelty.com, in the show notes. But uh, give any final thoughts, anything you didn't get a chance to say yet. You have as much time or as little time as you want to talk. Uh, Anthony Welty, the floor is yours. I, I, I appreciate the endorsement, Spike. It, it means a lot to me as somebody that's only been in this party about four years now to to be earning the the, the respect and, and trust of my peers. And, um, you know, I, I've worked really hard to you know, learn the platform, you know, li listen to the people that are, you know, more pragmatic, more radical, right. And, and listen and learn and, and, and take what I think works and take what I think doesn't work and just, uh, you know, apply it to a position here that I think has a, a real chance at actually winning and impacting things. Um, you know, I, I've started this campaign two and a half years ago. Um, I quit my job officially eight months ago and I've been full-time on the campaign trail since. I live in a 27 foot travel trailer that I'm hauling from campground to campground up until the government shut it down and I had no campgrounds to go. So now I'm staying 
uh, in somebody's driveway. Um, wow. Doing that because I believe in what we're doing. I believe in the liberty message, the the, the consent message, the self-ownership message, um, you know, the Libertarian Party. I believe in the candidates that, that we're putting forth. Um, I want to help other candidates and, and I want to learn from them. I want to grow this party um, in, in the healthiest fashion possible. I, I want to turn people into libertarians and then and then turn them into members. Um, you know, I, I, I want to professionalize the party in a sense that we can compete. Um, and, and I want to educate people uh, at every step of the way doing so. Um, you know, I, I put my life on hold for this. I, I should be, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, um, two, two days ago, actually. The, this housing market's crashing right now. Right. I not quit my job eight months ago, I'd be sitting pretty right now because I'd be working from home making bank. Um, well, not bank by Seattle standards, making good enough money and, uh, and able to go buy a house here in about a year and a half after the market fully collapses, which I believe is ha- going to happen here. Unfortunately. Um, I don't regret that though. I, I don't regret putting my life on hold because if I don't, my son's life is going to pay the prices later on. Right? right. The cliche that we're doing this for, uh, the next generation is fully important to me. Um, I have a four and a half year old son that I'm already teaching, uh, libertarianism to and, and teaching him about the state and, and self-ownership and, and he owns his own body. Um, and it, it's important to me to, to, you know, have a better government for him <laughs> by the time he, you know, is old enough to, to be drafted into the next war. Right. And, and right, so, right. so what I mean by this is I'm, I'm doing this because I give a damn, um, I don't care about promoting myself. I, I care about promoting our ideas. Um, you know, running for office, unfortunately, is self-promotion. It of course. makes me, it, it's disgusting to me. I, I don't like it. I don't like that I'm in, that I'm a politician now. Yep. Yep. Um, but I want to promote change in the legislature and to remove lives from our lives in any order as fast as possible that will make us more free. Um, I have a Facebook, Twitter. Uh, easiest thing to do is find us uh, hashtag be free. You can also find me hashtag wealthy, the number wa- uh, number four, and then wa. Um, I need your donations. We've raised almost 50000 so far. Um, we're aiming to raise 250000 for this campaign. Um, I believe 150 gives us uh, a fighting chance. I believe 250 helps us win a landslide. Um, we have a guy that nobody knows who he is. Nobody wants to vote for him that does know who he is right. um, within the industries. They don't like him. Um, and we finally have a viable libertarian election here, or a libertarian candidate to get elected to the highest position a libertarian's ever been elected. Um, and I love and appreciate other people's support. Um, my campaign team's growing. I need your help. If you got time to, to donate to a libertarian campaign that's, that's not one of your favorite presidential campaigns, you know, state level's where it's at. I'm telling you, friends. <laughs> Um, but nope. would love to have you. I'm an open book, uh, you know, open book, of, you know, about what I think and believe. So shoot me a PM or a DM or an IM or a, a Zoom or a whatever is, you know, I'm not on Snapchat. So don't find me there. But I am on Instagram. So find me. Uh, let's stay in touch. And, and Spike, I appreciate the chance to be on your show. And I, I very much look forward to, you know, flipping the script on you here in a couple <laughs> of weeks. I'm running a statewide race. Because I want to help build infrastructure. I want to help down ballot candidates. I want to help up ballot candidates. And I want to, right. you know, our own media here to a certain extent and, and share our, our infrastructures and our networks so that we can grow this movement in any way possible. 
Very good. Very good, man. AnthonyWelty.com. Thank you for bringing up the I hate being a politician thing. Buddy, I am out here doing the same thing you are, getting endorsements and then saying, I'm so honored to be endorsed. by, And I am. I am very honored to be endorsed by these people. But I'm having a humble brag about getting endorsements. And then I'm the, you know, the dynamic. But like, and it's you have to do that, right? Like yeah. you have to do that to be a successful politician. And it is easily my least favorite part of this. Like I would much rather just be talking to people about what we believe than promoting myself. And, and it sounds like you're in the same boat as me. Like we just, that's not, most libertarians aren't about self-promotion and it's a tough one. The fact that you, you have to if you're if you want to be a successful politician especially on like i mean maybe you can get away with a you know a small like a, a local council race or something without real self-promotion but like statewide federal stuff running for nomination within a within a part you have to self-promote and and promote yourself it, it's a it's like i said my least favorite part so thank you for saying that because it, it is it is grinding for me, and I and I see it is for you. But thank you again for coming on. You've been fantastic. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Stick around. I'm going to talk to you during the outro. Uh, but, folks, thanks again for tuning in uh, to this uh, episode of My Fellow Americans. Uh, I will be on two different podcasts uh, tomorrow. Uh, I will be on uh, this podcast. Podcast titles are a spook with James Weeks. Uh, I'm not sure if that's live or if it's pre-recorded, but I'll be on that. And then I on tomorrow at 6, I will be live on Taxation is Theft with Dan Berman. And then on Friday, I will be on Libertarians Drinking Coffee Live with Larry Sharp uh, on Friday at 2 p.m. And then I believe there's some stuff I'm doing this weekend, but I don't remember now. And then tune in uh, on Monday... Breaking news, Monday the 27th at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. I will be on Be Free with Anthony Welty. Anthony Welty right here. And I'll be on his show uh, and uh, I'll be talking about my campaign that time. Yeah, I know it's hard. It is, it's hard doing it. Um, it's Yeah, there we go. I'm making it too. I'm overthinking it. Um, but yeah, so I'll be on his show and then uh, tune in on Tuesday. Uh, for the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I will be parsing through the week's events with the aplomb of the little spring boys that we are. And then on Wednesday, next Wednesday, tune in again right here, probably at 8 p.m., maybe 9, uh, for My Fellow Americans with my guest Desiree Lindsay, the campaign manager for the Vermin Supreme 2020 campaign. So thanks again for tuning in, and God bless you.
might just unite and come together and become hybrid, at the least slightly like-minded. Indeed, the life I've lived brings light to kindness. All you need is a sign, put a cease to the crimes, put an ease to the minds like mine. Sometimes darkness is all I find. You know what they say about an eye for an eye in a time with the blind leave the blind. Who am I to deny when cry when a loved one dies? I recognize that body outside with a hole in the body that was alive. Now they find with a chalk outline. Find out how, but you never know why. It ain't even make it to the news that night. It ain't even make it to the news that night.